Isaiah 40, 27 through 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Thank you. Good morning. Well, I'm, I'm encouraged that we, uh, we made it through the end of the world. Uh, so yesterday was supposed to be the finish of it all, and it uh, looks like we're still here. So we'll have to pick another date. Uh, it's a great passage this morning as we continue in Isaiah and think about the strength of the Lord in our lives. There's a gentleman named Eddie Hall. He's nicknamed the Beast. Eddie Hall uh, is the strongest man in the world. They have a competition every year, and they do it all over the world. This year it was in Botswana, and Eddie Hall uh, became the strongest man in the world, facing many, many competitors, many strong men. He beat out Hafthor Julius Bjornsson, known as the mountain, which was a big surprise. And they do a series of lifts and, and uh, power lifts, and, but the biggest one was he squatted uh, 700 pounds, 15 reps that he did. Amazing strength. Amazing strength. But here's the deal with Eddie Hall. Eddie Hall has incredible strength that's unto himself. It's his strength. He can't walk over to a 13-year-old boy and say, hey, let's go ahead and you go ahead and lift the 700 pounds. Because it's Eddie's strength. He could possibly go in and try to help the little boy, but the little boy doesn't have that strength to do it. And what we're going to see this morning in the scriptures, and where do we find our strength when we're weary when we just have none. We're going to find it doesn't come in our own physical strength. It doesn't come from us mustering it up. It comes from our loving, gracious Lord as we turn to Him, as we depend on Him. And let me tell you something. Our God is so much stronger than Eddie Hall. And He will and He desires to give us His strength so that we can make it through the day since apparently the world has not ended and we've got more days to go. So let's pray for that this morning. Father, each day we wake up and, and uh, we wonder where we're going to get the strength for the day. Oftentimes we're weary, we're mentally weary, we're spiritually tired. We don't know what the next steps are. And so, Father, we ask right now that your Holy Spirit would pour out upon this body, 
I pray that you would minister to us uh, your strength. Like we sang this morning, that our joy, our joy is because of your strength. In us, right in the middle of our circumstance, right in the middle of our trial, our hardship, when our bodies are weak. So sustain us, Father. Not only sustain us, but empower us. And give us your strength for the day. May we utterly depend on you, Father, for each and every day. In your precious name, amen. How can he provide strength? What's it looking like for the people of Israel? They're, they're uh, in Babylon. The, the, the speaking of Isaiah is a hundred years later. It's going to be the time of the exile in Babylon. And Isaiah presumes, along with the Lord, that there is going to be uh, struggles and questions. We're exhausted. We're beaten down by the Babylonians. How do we have strength for the day? Where does it come from? We're weary. The Lord has said in His Scriptures previously, Lift up your eyes on high and see who created all these things. He who brings out their host by number, calling them by name, by the greatness of His might, and because He is strong in power, and therefore not one is missing. Isaiah is trying to remind the people of Israel that their strength is going to come from turning to their Heavenly Father. And He's giving us these beautiful pictures of the Messiah who is to come. He will be the one who will deliver us. He is the one who will be our strength. Wait upon our Lord. You see, God knew that Israel was in despair. He knew they were weary. He knew they were in struggle. And, and the Lord knows that about us. As we live in this broken world, and as we get a little older in life as well, uh, we become quite weary. We oftentimes are in despair. We don't know exactly what the next day is going to bring us. And we're trying to figure out how to walk in faithfulness, aren't we? And we cry out to God and we say, God, help. How do I do this? I've got a lot of issues going on in life. You know them. And so, Father, here they are. How much can we endure? Actually, National Geographic did some study about just the human body, what we can endure. Humans can survive for just two to three minutes without air. But there are some who have trained and they can hold their breath for about 11 minutes. We can survive 10 minutes at 300 degrees Fahrenheit. Humans can endure barely 30 minutes of exposure to 40 degree temperature water. We can survive seven days without water and up to 45 days without food. There is some enduring going on, but the reality is to endure in life, and I think what Isaiah is bringing, we cannot endure, we cannot survive without the sustaining power of our Lord and Savior. We cannot keep going without hope in our life, that our God will deliver us. Isaiah is bringing that to the table. He will deliver us. And also, he will help us to endure and to persevere. So where do we find strength when we're weary? 
Look at these first verses. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, that my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? I think one of the ways that we find strength in the middle of our weariness is that we start to remember, as the Lord is speaking to us, we remember our true identity in Christ. Again, the people are in despair. They feel abandoned. They're wondering what God's doing with them. And, and what Isaiah does here, he actually rebukes the people. The message says this pretty clearly. He's like, why in the world are you complaining? Why are you complaining, saying, where is God in the middle of all this? Why is he letting me down? Why isn't he meeting me right here? Why is he not regarding, why isn't he bringing the justice that he said he would bring? And so Isaiah, I think, gently rebukes them. Why is it that you cry this out, O Jacob, O Israel? Do you remember who you are? And I believe the reminder is that no matter how they see themselves, how they view their situation, how they think they're abandoned by God, that God sees them differently. That God is wanting to remind them that he's a God of covenant, that he keeps his promises. God made with his people Israel, I will be your God and you shall be my people. God is a God of covenant and you are my beloved. You need to know that sometimes. I think sometimes as children of God, we forget we're his beloved. And the reason we forget is because we're, we're in a tough situation. And then we end up turning to everything that this world wants to offer us to get us out of the situation instead of turning to the Lord. And then we cry out more and more. And then we complain. And he's like, don't you know you're my beloved? Don't you know that I walk with you in the middle of this? Don't you know that I have you? And I know exactly what I'm doing in your life and what's going on. I'm not unaware of your situation. So I want to encourage you this morning to remember that you are beloved of God and that you have a beautiful identity in Him as a son or daughter of God. You need to know that. And that He is in control. That's what all of the previous of chapter 40... Don't you realize how awesome I am? You need to know. I have my hands on everything. I've put everything together. You see... He's using the name Jacob Israel. Remember that whole story in Genesis 32? Remember Jacob is struggling in his faith and and he's wondering what God is doing here. And he wrestles with the angel. And he says, you need to bless me. And you know what the truth of, of our Lord is? He wants to bless us. He wants to give us life. He wants to restore us. He wants us to follow him in obedience and and, and be, again, blessed as we learn to, to walk in his truth and his grace. So Jacob says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Remember the scene? So the Lord, the angel of the Lord touches his hip. And he says, I'm going to change your name, Jacob. It's going to become Israel. He who strives with God. 
And you know what I think Isaiah is doing here when he's saying, oh, Jacob, oh, Israel? I think he's reminding the people, do you remember that God is a God of covenant and that he walks through and that your forefathers before you, as they went through the struggle that he endured, they endured that time, they persevered, they wrestled with God and they asked for his blessing and God wants to do the same. Don't forget that our God is a covenant God. He cannot break his promises. Hold on to his promises. He will help you to endure this situation. He will always be by your side. He is our God and we are his people. And that even when we have imperfect faith, which is often, even when we have imperfect faith like Jacob, like the people of Israel, like us, when we struggle with that and we're trying to figure out God and understand what he's doing and we don't trust in him like we should, even then, saying, I'm a covenant God. And even then, he says to you and me, you are my valuable, beautiful child. You are beloved. And so I walk with you. Turn to me. Let me be your strength. They that wait upon the Lord will receive his strength. That's this beautiful passage. They that wait upon the Lord will receive his strength. He's not lying. He's not just saying that like, well, I hope you make it through the day. He's going to provide us with his strength. His joy in life. His life in the middle of the day. So that we can keep walking through. You are my beloved. You are of my covenant. And let me remind you of who I am. And he goes on in verse 28 of chapter 40. Do you not know, have you not heard that the Lord is what? Everlasting God. We need to look at these characteristics of what God is bringing to the table. He is everlasting God. I love what A.W. Tozer says. Anything that God has ever done, He can do now. Anything that God has ever done anywhere, He can do here. Anything that God has ever done for anyone, He can do for you. He's an everlasting God. And God is working out His good purpose in your life. In His way and in His timing. That's the one thing we struggle with, is God's timing in these things. But they that wait upon the Lord, their strength shall be renewed. He is everlasting. He's the creator of everything to the ends of the earth. Where can I go from his presence? I go all the way east. I go all the way west. Where can I go from his presence? I can't. He's creator of everything to the ends of the earth. I can't go away. I can't be in the intensive care unit and he's not there. I can't be in that lonely hotel room and he's not there. I can't be in a place where I'm feeling like an outcast, exiled like the Israelites, and he's not there. In those places, 
in our desperation and our despair, His love and His grace and His strength pours out upon us. And we receive that from Him. That's because our God is a God of covenant. And our God is a God who wants to walk with us and wants to pour out His grace upon us and wants to give us His strength. Eddie Hall can't do it, but our God can. We're not abandoned in those places. He says He's everlasting. He says that He's creator of everything. And what does He say? He's always at work. You see, you and I need rest. And I find the older I get, I'm taking a lot more naps these days. It comes about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I have a little couch in my office. They think I'm studying in there. Oh, no. I'm out. God meets me right in my sleep. I tell everybody I'm praying in there. We need rest. And I know many of you are tired this morning. I just know you are. Life, life brings on a, an incredible weariness for us. Some is just our bodies are tired. But our Lord does not. You know, one third of our lives are asleep. But God does not need to be woken up like our teenagers in the morning. He's the God who created the Energizer Bunny. And He's so much more energized than that bunny. He's always on the move. And not only is he always on the move, but he's always able. That's what he brought to us last week, right? The the Israelites are crying out. They they foresee what it's going to be like. Israelites are crying out, how is this all going to work? Can God really deliver us? And he points out, oh, I'm able. I'm always on the move, and I'm always able to work in your life. That's who our God is. Well, what's he working on all the time? We studied Philippians this summer, Philippians 1.6. And I am confident, I am certain of this, that he who began the good work, the God who is always working in our lives, he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. See, he's always working in our lives, refining us, conforming us into his image sharpening us, disciplining us. He's always at work for our good so that we are more and more like Him. Always. Why? Because you're His beloved. And so He's always at work. And He's always working on hearts. You know what I love about what it says about God here? And that He's always, He doesn't sleep, that He's always working. I think part of what that means is He doesn't grow weary in pursuing the defiant, the rebellious, the God-haters. He doesn't grow weary in going after the ones that we've sort of given up hope on. Do you know those people in our lives where you just go, they're just a mess. I mean, they just want nothing to do with, they're, they're a mess. There's no hope for them. But our God who never sleeps, our God who always has love, for people is always pursuing them. You need to know that. And you need to ask God to give you the same heart when we've given up hope. 
He's a patient God. He's patient with us. He's patient with those who hate God. And he keeps pursuing them with his love. That's our God. God is wise. His understanding is unsearchable. You see, the deal is when we're in the middle of the struggle, when we're in exile, so to speak, like the Israelites in Babylon, we're always trying to figure out why. God, what are you doing here? Give us an answer. Help us know what's happening in these events. What are you doing? We're often confused. But the truth of the Lord and what he's saying here is, God is saying, I'm never confused about what's going on. I am working out my good purposes in your life. I am redeeming all of this junk and brokenness. I am at work. I understand exactly what I'm going to do. I have a plan to to bring you closer to me. I have a plan to take this awful situation and refine you and grow you up and mature you. And again, bless you and give you my strength and draw you close. Just know that about me. But we keep wanting the answer. But he's redeeming these things. Ultimately, all of this brokenness will be redeemed, right? When Christ returns in full authority. Ultimately, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It will all be redeemed and made perfect. But while we're on this planet, he's in the work of that. Of delivering and saving, and again as his children, that he is drawing us close to his heart like he showed us earlier. We want to understand more. But here's the truth, as we follow Christ, as we follow our Lord, we don't live by explanations, we live by promises. We do not live by explanations, we live by the promises of God. And you need to remember, you are beloved. I know you're in exile, I know you're feeling the suffering from Babylon. I know that. But here's my promise. I will deliver you. I will give you strength. That's my promise. I will walk with you through it. Job never got the answers from God, did he? And then he gets a tour of creation. And then he says this in Job 42. Therefore, I have declared that which I do not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I do not know. All glory to God. And so we're learning to grow in our faith, aren't we? And we're learning to trust Him more. Let's look at His promises. He gives power, strength, to the faint, to the weary. And to Him who has no might. And that's ultimately where we come because we keep looking for strength elsewhere and we realize, I have none. To Him who has no might, He increases strength. His strength unto them. He he brings his life into theirs. Right in the middle of the circumstance. I love uh, a little article that uh, Joni Erickson Tata wrote. Joni Erickson Tata, for many of you who know, she was a young woman and in a diving accident, uh, she became paralyzed. 17 years old. And then she went through this whole, and, and continues to go through this whole journey of life holding on to God and His promises. And, and all that God has done in her life, through this awful situation, she's a quadriplegic. 
And yet God has ministered to her in ways that are absolutely beautiful. And here's what she says, she writes. You know, we tend to worry that the cares and the troubles and afflictions of life will wear us down, doling our joy, diluting our hope, and robbing us of the radiance we once experienced as believers. In fact, she writes, it may be the very opposite. It isn't the hurts or the blows and the bruises that rob us of the freshness of Christ's beauty in our lives. What robs us more likely is careless ease, empty pride, earthly preoccupations in our lives, too much prosperity, and they put layers of dirty film over our souls. And then she shares a story where she went to, to Paris and she went to Notre Dame, the cathedral. And she said, when I got there and I was expecting this most beautiful place, the whole exterior was covered in just a dark film. All of this soot and smoke from the years had made it black. And so finally, the government in Paris decided we need to get rid of this. And so they sandblasted the whole exterior. It took a year to get it clean again. And she received pictures of what Notre Dame looked like after that. And she said this, This cathedral went through a whole new transformation. And it's amazing what sandblasting can accomplish. When I use the word sandblasting, and I think of how that process changed the cathedral in Paris... I cannot help but consider the way that God uses trial and suffering to sandblast you and me. There's nothing like real hardship to strip off the veneer in which you and I so carefully cloak ourselves. Heartache and and physical pain, they reach below the superficial surfaces and those places of our lives And they strip away years of accumulated indifference and neglect. When pain and when problems press up against a holy God, suffering can't help but strip away years of dirt. Affliction has a way of jackhammering our character. It shakes us up. It loosens our grip on everything that we hold on to tightly. But the beauty of being stripped down to the basics, sandblasted, until we reach a place where we feel empty and helpless. It is that place that God can fill us up with Himself. When pride and when pettiness have been removed, God can fill us with Christ in you, the hope of glory. What God is saying to those in exile is you're being sandblasted. I know it's hard, I know you're weary. But hold on to the promises of God and what He's doing in your life. I will give you strength to the tired. And I will, basically He says, I'm going to regenerate. I'm going to multiply your strength. Because it's God's strength that He's doing this with. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Even Eddie Hall shall fall exhausted at some point. 
But our favorite verse, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. We love this verse and we hate this verse all at the same time. And the reason is because it calls us to wait. And we are not a people who like to wait. We're a fast food society. And we struggle. New Yorkers are the worst at waiting. They've done surveys. We hate waiting the most in grocery lines. And we will find a different store that has a shorter grocery line. Because we can't stand it. There's things that we will have patience for, but we just don't want to wait. Timex actually did a survey on waiting. For a generation wants everything now. And I actually thought this was... Some of these, I'm like, wow, we're a little more patient than I thought. 13 seconds before we honk at a car in front of us that stopped at a green light. I usually go a little shorter than that, I think. (laughs) 26 seconds before we shush people who are talking in a movie theater. 26 seconds before we take the seat of someone who's walked away from their seat. 45 seconds before we ask someone who's talking too loud on a cell phone to keep it down. We'll put up with waiting 13 minutes for a table at a restaurant, and then we're out of there. 20 minutes for a blind date to show up before we leave. And 20 minutes for the last person to show up for Thanksgiving dinner before we dig in. We're hungry, and it smells too good. We struggle waiting, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Waiting isn't just sitting around on the couch and and waiting for the Lord to show up. This type of waiting that he's speaking of is active. It has the idea that we are looking for, we are expecting, we are eagerly anticipating that God is going to do something in our midst. And so we wait upon the Lord. Because I know you are a God who keeps your promises, because I know you are a God who walks with me, I'm waiting for you to do what you said you would do. I'm not complaining and yelling at you, saying, God, why have you abandoned me? I'm saying, God, show up like you promised. I know you will, and I know you can, and I know you will deliver me with your strength. The tagline, if you've been following this tragic earthquake in Mexico, the tagline has been, hope in the rubble. Hope in the rubble. And I saw a little video the other day on, on Channel 7, and, and there was a, a, a man who his brother had died, but he grabbed that, that bullhorn and he cried out to the people. He said, we cannot give up. There are people alive. We are going to save lives. Let's keep digging. There's hope. There's hope, he kept chanting, even though he lost his brother. In the middle of our despair, the Heavenly Father says, I will renew you. I will give you hope and strength in the middle of the rubble. Ultimately, one day, that'll be heaven. But while we live here, it's our life in our Savior, Jesus. 
he, in the middle of the exile, and this is what's amazing about what he says. Actually, about what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I'm going to have you mount up, which is rise up on wings of eagles. He doesn't say, I'm going to have you mount up and rise up on the, the wings of eagles after I've delivered you out of Babylon. Does he? He doesn't say, after all of you've been saved and rescued out of, then I'm going to renew you. Then I'm going to give you strength. What does he say? Right in the middle of the junk of life. Right in the middle of the rubble. Like that man who grabbed the bullhorn. There will be hope. And you will mount up. You will rise up in the strength of the Lord. And He will help you to get through the day. And you will know His presence. Not only will you know His presence, you will receive, again, like we sung this morning, the joy of the Lord, even in the middle of the awfulness of life. That's what He's saying. You see, it's not just you're going to be freed from all of this. It's no, while you're in it, here comes the joy of the Lord and the strength of the Lord. And that's what we need to be praying for each other who are going through it. We need to grab that bullhorn and say, there's hope in the middle of this. And God will sustain us. We are His beloved, and He is a covenant God. And He gives us all of the spiritual resource that we need. And when we lack faith, like the Father who brought His Son, Lord, help me, Jesus, in my unbelief. Help me to trust You in the middle of this. I know You're a good God. And when we don't know how to pray, the Scripture reminds us that the Spirit intercedes for us and prays for us because we're too weak. And He will renew our strength. They shall mount up on wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk, which actually is the highest priority of this. We think, oh, getting on flying like the wings of eagles... That's the highest point. No, actually walking is the highest point. Because that's our journey, isn't it? It's one foot in front of the other each day. They shall walk and they shall not grow faint. Let's pray. Father, again, I ask that your Holy Spirit would pour out your strength to those who are weary this morning in this room. Would you restore them, renew them, give them joy? And may we come alongside each other and lift up each other's arms. May we grab that bullhorn and say, there's hope. We're going to make it through this. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a covenant God who keeps your promises. And we thank you that we are your beloved. In your precious name, amen.